What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the Bat film. Yes, Commissioner. Batman? We'll be right there. Biff, bam, pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. Where are Batman and Robin, the crime fighters? We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor at SBS. I'm joined here by a colleague of mine, of whom's vast spaghetti resources know no end as Fiona Williams. Pass the bolognese. Thank you, Dan. And also joining us for the very first time on Batman Land, it's the only SBS staff we could find who had more traffic infringements than Batman. It's Nicolette Lauraway. That is scarily true. Hello, is it really? Dan. Absolutely. Do yeah. we need to get into this? Oh, like it's. I have bad luck. Yeah, I'm sure that's bad luck. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to speak poorly of you, but I did think that maybe you were probably clocking up more than three. Look, I try my luck. Yeah. And that's all we can ever do, right? <laughs> I've been very fortunate in the last couple of years. Not a one. I've done just fine. But I catch the train a lot. Yeah. As does Batman. As but does we'll get Batman. to that. <laughs> we are going to get to that. Now, this is an episode which was quite divisive in that Fiona not so keen. <laughs> However, I've watched it. And after watching last week's effort, this is amazing. This is a fantastic two-parter. Well, I missed last week, so I apologise for that. I'll catch up at SBS On Demand. Um, but, yeah, this one... Not up there for me of, of the great bad no, episodes, I've got to say. It, it's not an all-time great. There's no goats going on here, but <laughs> it is, I, I think, far better than it's been in the last couple of weeks. All right. Yeah. I had a few genuine laugh-out-loud moments, and there's actually a couple of really cool cameos in this one as well. Correct. But we'll get to that in a moment. Now, Fiona, I don't remember the particulars as to what's <laughs> gone on this week. Can you please remind us what happened on Batman? I will give it a red-hot go. Um Fluff up the bat pillows, people, and get comfortable because this one is a little convoluted. Europe's crack criminal, the Sandman. That cunning continental criminal, the Sandman. Is in Gotham City with his henchmen, Nap and Snooze. <laughs> Real weirdos. Wooing Catwoman to go cahoots in a scheme to swindle a filthy rich insomniac called Jay Pauline Spaghetti. The billionaire noodle queen. Out of her noodle fortune. It shouldn't be long before her entire fortune is in my control. They get the old lady's attention with a media stunt at a mattress showroom whereby Catwoman poses as a sleeping beauty who sings the praises of a wonderful a sleep therapist called Dr. Somnambula. Dr. Somnambula? Yes, Dr. Somnambula. Dr. Somnambula. For reasons I can't quite articulate, Batman almost becomes mattress filler. Uh, Robin gets stuck in an electric maze. A maze? And there's an undercover policewoman whose cover gets blown, but who otherwise doesn't get much of a look in. Policewoman Mooney! Policewoman Mooney! Catwoman likewise doesn't get a whole lot to do in this one, but uh, she does get double-crossed by the Sandman, who gets his hooks into Ms. Spaghetti. You've been in the land of Nod, Mrs. Spaghetti. Not for long, but at least it was a start. And whisks her off to her own island to get married. You are my saviour, Dr. Somnambula. Batman gets Robin out of the electric maze off camera, of course, and they head for the Batboat for a showdown at the old offshore spaghetti factory. Indeed, what a ridiculous two-parter. Correct. Uh, so these are two episodes. We've got The Sandman Cometh, which aired originally on the 28th of December, 1966, and The Catwoman Goeth, the 29th of December, 1966. These are the final 1966 episodes, which definitely mark the end of the peak of Batmania. Because through 1996, from January through to December, like it was all about Batman in the US. This was a huge, high-rating TV program. 1967, things did not go so well for Batman and the TV series going forward. So anyway, this, I guess, marks the end of the peak. Happy New Year. <laughs> Fiona's given me that look. Now, what I find very interesting about doing a podcast about these episodes, we're going to talk about sleep a lot over the next 20 or so minutes. 
we're doing a podcast about sleeping, about mattresses. We don't have any ads at all for Casper, okay, which is a US mattress company. But I guess Koala, what do we have here locally? Correct. Yeah. If yeah. you listen to US podcasts, the uh, the online mattress providers are, are big on, in that respect. Uh, yeah. I recently bought a mattress over the holidays. So my Facebook feed is already trying to sell me more mattresses because <laughs> once you look at a couple, then it, that's all they want to sell the you. The targeting did, really works. Correct. Did you get an internet mattress or was it like one that you went to a store and laid on? No one gets no one goes to a store anymore and gets one, do they? The well, ads would make us think. This is true. Uh, I did both because anyway, not this is not brought to you by them, but yes, they're the online provider in Australia. You can sample before you buy at a store. Oh, sorry, we so discussed I did this. that. Yes. Yeah. And have you ever slept better? I mean, urgh, I'm just thinking of it. It's making me want to curl up and get my jammies. So yeah, <laughs> I also had one, and they're pretty good. But anyway, enough about mattresses for the next two minutes. Now, Nikki, this is the first time that I'm guessing you've probably watched the 66 Batman in your adult life. Yeah, look, I'm not going to say I'm a Batman aficionado or anything. And that's fine. But... We're very welcoming here of all types. Yeah, and th- I guess that's why I feel lucky to be sitting here with you two completists. Are you completists? Um, more or Close less. Close to, yeah. so not quite completists. I guess it's great that I get to explore my many feelings about it with two people who know their stuff. <laughs> so many feelings. Let's work it through. <laughs> really talk about this. We're here to help. Yeah, great. Now, broadly about the episode, I have to say that I've loved the Catwoman episode so far. Yes. I think Julie Newmar, her episodes have been above and beyond like the best of the regular villains that you see. She comes into the show with initially like a real psychotic, um, off like unhinged attitudes of the show. I think she's tempered that a little bit as the show's gone on. But this one as well, like she was suddenly present and there's a great moment with her in this one where she's on the phone pretending to be the nurse for Dr. Sambula. Dr. Sonambula. Sonambula. Which is a pretty high-end joke, right, Dr. Sonambula? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. wouldn't expect everyone to be getting that. <laughs> In 1966. And the show is filled with these sort of jokes, which I think is fantastic. But yeah, like she's really funny on the phone as this nurse. And I was incredibly smitten with her and that. But yeah, the rest of the episode, she just doesn't have much to do. She has this fantastic sort of entitled private school trust baby sexy vibe though, doesn't she? She (laughs) manages to do tie on, wearing it tight, as well as... Sexy femme fatale, like just so beautifully. She was in it like about three or four weeks ago and literally had a scene where she was in stately Wayne Manor teaching Dick to, I think it was dancing, Jeremy. My producer, he's giving me the nod. Yeah, so it was dance lessons. And at one point she ends up slipping and she drops her head out of camera shot and then like lifts her head up and she pulled like the stick that was holding her hair in together and literally did the sexy librarian unfurl of her hair. It was fantastic. It's exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> She's everything I want to be. Mm, you're so strong and forceful, that. <laughs> Fiona. Yes. The Sandman. Apparently he's Europe's, uh, was a crack villain. Yeah, I know. Yeah. His reputation precedes him, but... <laughs> so is he a thing, as somebody who's not familiar with... How often does Sandman rear his ugly head? In the show, this With that it. amazing One fur done. coat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please give me Unusual. that fur coat. Yeah, I don't see that. So yeah, what, in what's the, show, with the coat? Yeah. In the show, he's a one-and-done villain, so we never see him again. We never heard of him before this. As far as I know in the comics, there is a Sandman villain. So sometimes you get a villain like last week with the Puzzler which is like an obscure DC Comics villain who fought Superman once and they just worked him into the Batman show. 
I, as far as I know, there isn't a Sandman like that as a villain, but there is a few heroes called the Sandman over the years. So I think it's just a character they've come up with for the well, show. Well, I mean, he really could have used his skills for good or evil, couldn't he? Putting people to sleep is an amazing talent, mm. and he just decided to direct them in the direction of villain. If he went but broad, could like have gone either way. money doing that, then, you know, the villainy. Yeah, I find that a lot with, with some of the capers in this. It's If you put it to a commercial enterprise, it could have you know, made... <laughs> Legitimate money. Yeah. Now, at where's the, the fun be- in that? <laughs> at the very beginning, we've got Aunt Harriet who's concerned about the beeping from Bruce's office. <laughs> now, it's been established a number of times that she's not supposed to be going into his office. And cheekily, she's like almost gone in there a few times, but hasn't quite done it. At this point, is she not suspicious she's not allowed in there? I appreciate it's his private things, but like even if someone's got a room of whom they dedicate to their work, occasionally they'll leave the door open, you're allowed to peek in and see what's going on. Yeah, Aunt Harriet's not the brightest spark, but yeah. so, and you know, she does what she's told. She doesn't end up buying a maze at the end of this because they all mansplain mazes to her and she doesn't <laughs> decide against making a dramatic change to the front garden. Uh, does anyone on this panel find it suspicious that Bruce and Dick are out there camping with a whole bunch of teenage boys? Yeah, that had some undertone to it, didn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. And I wasn't buying they were teenagers. No, they did not yeah. look like teenagers. She spoke to them like they were tweens, but yeah, the boys. Uh, yeah. Like, I was suspicious because you would think that Batman's thirst for justice would mean he'd stick around Gotham City and not be in such a situation where he's compromised by not being able to head into the city. Also, he said that he was 12 miles out, right, and they didn't, he wanted, <laughs> didn't want to take the boys for the walk, and yet still he just sacrificed them to the nature. Who knows what happened to those yeah, boys? We don't follow up again. We don't know where they are. They're probably still wandering. <laughs> With their sleeping bags, those red checkered sleeping bags. Oh, I love them. It's the detail. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Mr. Sandman for a moment? Sorry, Sandman. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. He's played by a guy named Michael Rennie. Uh, Fiona, you're our film person. Did you know Michael Rennie particularly well before this? Yeah, his only other screen credit that I'm aware of is a biggie. It's um, as playing Klaatu the alien in the 1951, The Day the Earth Stood Still. So it's the main role in that where he comes down to Earth and The Keanu Reeves role. Yes, later played by Keanu, yes. First made famous by Michael Rennie. (laughs) Uh, He's also known for playing Harry Lyme in a TV version of The Third Man, which I've not seen, but I love that film. Yeah, good film. Another notable person that appeared in this episode, there's actually two, but one I wanted to highlight, I don't think it's probably particularly well known. There's that really great scene where you've got Catwoman of whom is talking to the TV show host, and the TV show host is very concerned that things are getting advertorial with her talking about the fine sleeping works of the good doctor. And she keeps on trying to cut him off as though, you know, this is an ad, this isn't an ad. And I'm thinking these days, any morning show, like that's a paid for spot. She's mm-hmm. paying for the entire morning show as that stands. But the actress playing the TV host is this lady named Gypsy Lee Rose. Now, Fee, you, you know Gypsy? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Dancer. Dancer. Uh, burlesque dancer. Uh, really well known for that. Uh, she was always very, I guess, open about her burlesque dancing. He was more than happy to call it stripping rather than the art of burlesque. There's a really great quote that I found from her. And she said that men aren't attracted to me by my mind. They're attracted by what I don't mind. Which I think is just one of those great sort of yeah, body statements <laughs> of actors of years gone by. Uh, but she had considerable fame and she was really, really well known and became the subject of the stage musical and later film Gypsy. Mm-hmm. So if people have seen that, like, this is her. That's her. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this is no place for free commercials. Do we want to talk about the third major guest star in this one? 
who well, people actually will know. There's a few cameos, actually. Yeah. Well, um, who else is in there? There is Abe Vigoda. That's an early role of him. He plays Where Nap, the offsider of uh, of Sandman. Oh, I was like, hoping we would talk through Snooze and Nap. I, I have <laughs> so nap. many feelings about Snooze Let's and Nap. Let's get into it. Let's go through it. Okay, what's the go with the henchmen generally for <laughs> both villains? Both of them, I feel like need need a lot of exploration. But Snooze and Nap. I mean, I love their dedication to the job. I love how much they envelop the role. I love the outfits. I love the uh, bed slippers. Oh, the sleeping caps. The pasty face (laughs) sort of. What is their sort of role? Like, do they help him out? Is there some sort of supernatural element? Because I feel like they're very reliable. But what they do seems to be sort of a mystery. (laughs) Look, in this, I mean, they're always just paid goons. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you always need some muscle when you're fighting Batman and Robin. Yeah, you talk the talk, but then you get your hired goons to actually okay. make things no. happen for and you. And why do we think they need their names written on their <laughs> shirts? For the same reason every device and background thing has a label on it saying yeah. what they are. They're and- always a puntastic version of the, the head honcho. So, yeah, here, there, nap and snooze. Uh, oh, what are some of the greats? Oh, look, uh, nothing's coming to mind right now, but in this one, Catwoman, it was like Kitty and Cassie. Yeah. There's yeah. always a, a fantastic version of the of the leader. And it's not always necessarily connected to that. Sometimes it's the caper they're involved in or some sort of broader theme. For some reason, I think the Riddlers had like men dressed as pirates with him for some reason. You know, it, it's always like a broad, weird variation thing. Awesome. And Catwoman's harem of kittens. Mm-hmm who are getting around in the leopard print and <laughs> sort of hanging around that that great sort of Gotham apartment. Do they help out in any way? I noticed one of them wearing a leash at one point. Like, is should we, should we feel worried for them? It's a commitment to the general cat aesthetic, yeah. And with, that's where our undercover policewoman comes in. So she's obviously been posing as, as one of the kitties for quite some time. We don't know what the grand scheme was, but uh, the grand plan of putting her in there in the first place, but... Who works? Policewoman Mooney. Correct. Who, which is a really hard name to say fast. <laughs> and he has to, and the commissioner has to say it a few times at the beginning. Now, one of the things that's a bit different about the henchwomen for Catwoman, this one, is that usually they're men. So she usually has, like, guys running around in uh, leopard prints, things like cat little suits. cat ears. Very cool. Yeah. Not usually when you see them. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. Very cool. Uh, the interesting thing about a lot of the goons that you see is most of the time they're played by stuntmen. So they're usually sort of big, burly, sort of strapping guys. But Abe Vigoda was one of them, and I didn't notice that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Abe Vigoda, people may know from Barney Miller. Yeah, uh, yeah. and Godfather. He was of course, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Saltesio in the Godfather series. So, yeah, he's very character actor through and through with the exaggerated face, the hangdog expression. And I think he was cast for the bags under the eyes for this role particularly. <laughs> Dr. Sonambula didn't wave any of his magic white powder at the... Didn't they look like they need a good sleep? Yeah, he'd be one of the more high-profile goons because outside of that, it's really the guy that played Nat in 90210. Yeah, exactly. Funnily, with Abe Vigoda, he was early on the subject of fake news about his death. So the reports of his death were put out there and he took an ad in Variety uh, (laughs) of himself in a coffin reading the article about his death just as a little funny comment on the fact reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. So then there was a website, is Abe Vigoda dead? And sadly now he is. But for quite some time there he was one of the, one of the early um, instances of wrong news about someone's death. 
Now, I'm not a branding expert. I'm not necessarily a marketing professional, but I would presume that when you name your factory, the rundown factory, things aren't necessarily going to be so profitable for you in times come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I, there weren't actually a lot of mattresses in that factory. And what few there were got wrecked anyway in, yes. in one of those first fights. So feathers were flying. I've spent time in rundown factories and it wasn't even that rundown. No, yeah, right. there was a lot of red and blue lighting, which you don't often see in a mattress factory. Yeah, so someone's still paying the electricity bills, obviously, <laughs> the, the factory. I did like that it got referred to as the rundown factory district for a little while. Yes. And what I thought was weird about those factories is how much they all look like Warner Brothers sound stages. <laughs> Pure coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a moment where Batman and Robin are trying to work out who may be responsible, well, who the target of the crimes are going to be. And they go to the back computer which for some reason, instead of spitting out a card with the information that they are after, and that's usually how hmm. it works, it starts spitting out spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's more a cryptic clue mm. rather than literally giving them information like a computer would. But Why is the back computer not helping out on this one? Yeah. Batman, look! It's just playing hard to get, I guess. I think so. What skinny macaroni! Now, getting to the computer, like the question that Batman's asking is, name some famous insomniacs, to which point they go to the computer... It seemed like a bit of an unusual question. I'm putting it to the panel. Guys, name some famous insomniacs. Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't. Exactly. Could um, Howard, what's his name, get a break? The billionaire. Um, um, oh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Oh, right. Howard Hughes was an insomniac. Ah, uh, is that a play on this? Uh, well, there was some Howard Hughes parody happening in the previous episode. The rich billionaire that, well, maybe millionaire, I'm not sure how the financial standings work at 1966 levels. Uh, J. Paul Getty is who Ms. Spaghetti was supposed to be a parody of because they often play around these. Well, yeah, perhaps a hybrid of Howard Hughes and J. Paul Getty. Mm. Um, famously the subject of All the Money in the World, the film released into cinemas recently, um, not due to his spaghetti fortune at all, but <laughs> <laughs> in this instance... With the kidnap of the grandson and his famous refusal to pay the ransom, which I think sits at odds with the representation of J. Pauline Spaghetti, who seems to be throwing the money around in this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I've never met a more misanthropic victim in my <laughs> life. She is... <laughs> So disappointed when the money is still there, when she walks over to the drawer and the millions upon millions of dollars that she yeah. keeps in her drawer are still there. She almost looks disgusted at everyone involved. I know, right. And is bothered by the fact that Dr. Sonambula left without being paid yet. Absolutely. I mean, she's she has morals. She has a value system, Correct. but she also just hates her money. Yeah, can't wait to get rid of it. Mm. Okay, I want to hit a couple of points. That, there were just moments in the show that I really enjoyed. First of all, I like the catchphrases the Sandman's using. It's nap time for both of you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I love it. Put her on a T-shirt. I like there's a moment where he's talking to Robin just after he's got him under his spell. And he says, Wonder Boy or whatever it is they call you. Nice. And that was Very always, funny. Yeah. It was great because people never know who Batman and Robin are in this show. And that gets echoed again when we've got the police later in the episode. And you got the young cop, who we'll mm. talk about in a moment, mm -hmm. but he did not know Batman at all and was going to cite him for all sorts of problems with Batmobile. It wasn't registered in full. There were traffic violations that Batman hadn't paid. But yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Sergeant Reggie Hogan is Gotham's finest. 
Yeah, well, I think it's exposing some gaps in the old Gotham City Police Department's uh, trainee module. I think you would at least show them who Batman and Robin are because since they kind of save the day every time. Well, when Batman's computer is spilling out spaghetti instead of a photo <laughs> of the victim, then you'd think that, you know, maybe the police are suffering from the same issue in their technology. <laughs> But the scene where he's there in the old factory, uh, the rundown factory district, uh, district and keeps uh, encountering his police. First of all, Adam West is hilarious in that. He's on the back foot and he's just got this great delivery of, you know, trying to defend himself along the way, while also trying to push himself there as a defender of great civic value because he does pride himself on his driving. We've seen that in a number of episodes. See them put the seatbelts on. But we should talk about that young police officer because he's notable. Yeah. Uh, that would be one James Brolin in an early role. Mm. Ah, yeah. did not pick that one. Playing did not see that at all. Authorita- authoritarian young rookie cop Reggie Hogan. Yeah. Fiona was sitting next to me while I was watching the episode and I could tell that she was after me to recognise the guy on screen and she's like, just I- like staring at me. She was doing and- a lolly at you. <laughs> 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 well, Are you getting was. it? <laughs> it was see so much guy? pressure. Mm. I couldn't handle it. I had it. to tell you in the end. FYI. But yeah, Batman, he well, he was only on screen for like three seconds and you're like, Dan, he's shaking me. at least six lines. Yeah. Uh, so Batman, who didn't register his car as being stolen because the car got stolen by the Sandman, there's a great moment where he has to get back to the Batcave and instead of getting Alfred to come and pick him up, he decides he's going to catch public transport where I'm very disappointed we didn't get to see that because that would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. But also, what did he do after he got off at Wayne Station, which is apparently up the road from stately Wayne Manor? Is it a station just for his, like, mansion? It could be a major metropolitan hub. Who knows? Yeah, baffling. And he walked back. So do people yeah. not twig Batman's walking in the general direction of Wayne Manor? That's that's a risk. And every so often I'll go walking, like, in, you know, areas away from the city and you usually see a car every couple of minutes. Okay, it may not necessarily be constant, but, like, you'll see one. So Batman walking up the abandoned road in Southern California to the Batcave, like, surely someone's going to see him. Very baffling. Yeah. Can't deal with it. Another moment I thought was fantastic was when Batman has to get back into the city. He's got some debating with Alfred as to how to take care of that. And they decide the best way is for him to get onto the Alf cycle. And Batman dinks on the back of the bike. (laughs) He's so fantastically upright when he does it too. And and his little feet go out to the sides. And he's just, yeah, he's just adorable. And I love they just follow the shot. You watch them... Go right out under the arch. Yeah, it goes for a little too long, doesn't it? it? I love it. (laughs) But Batman does duck on the way out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is a tall guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Are we upset we didn't get to see Robin be reunited with Batman? I mean, Robin thought Batman had died. He's walking around in this maze. He's encountering the police officer. He's clearly distraught, but you don't get that moment of cathartic reunion. Such were my feelings for these two episodes. Having more happen was not my major issue with it. Yeah, I'm okay with what happened and I was happy to have them wrap up, honestly. As a fan, not the best ones. Go on. I think it was worth the absence of their reunion to see the catty little quality with which uh, Robin was given to the Catwoman as a gift. I really liked the sort of Mrs. Robinson elements of that whole little play with her sort of, you know, loving having him in her maze and, oh, it was all just so fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just concerned. We never got to see a teary reunion. And, I mean, maybe to spare Robin the embarrassment of his one great love. You know what we're talking about. Robin loves Batman. Ah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Caught up now. 
Speaking of love, uh, it's the final appearance in this episode for the entire series of the stock footage of Batman and Robin getting into the bat boat. Uh, I was wondering, is that still a holdover from the movie? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same footage they had from the film. So it's been aired twice in the show now and it's the second and last time. Ah, uh, good on so, yeah. It was a great boat though. Pretty good, isn't <laughs> it? Very cool. Love the paintings on the side. Love heading, it. Heading off to Jake Paul Spaghetti Island. <laughs> uh, Spaghetti Island. So with our guests, we like to delve into their Batman experience and find out who their Batman is. Now, Nicola, I'm assuming you're not like a hardcore Batman person. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've probably seen a few Batman movies. Absolutely. Like, do you yep. remember what the first one was that you saw? Oh, I, the first one was the one with Danny DeVito playing... So Batman Returns. Penguin. Yep, yeah, I remember that very strongly. Yeah, and was that a positive experience for you? Because you would have been a bit young and that's uh, fairly dark. It was a really scary thing. Penguin down in his dungeon with all of the sort of water lapping, yeah, like gave me nightmares for months. He was a real, he was a real piece of work. <laughs> that penguin, oh boy, oh, he's a creepy, disgusting character. I am not a human being. I am an animal, cold blooded. So, were you like generally after seeing that film? Were you someone who, if there's a new Batman movie coming out, you'd go and check that out, or it's just sort of if it comes in your orbit? You know, oh no! Yeah, I'll I'll um I'll buy a ticket to see any Batman and the latest ones of the franchise that are getting just darker and darker and <laughs> seedier and more and more sort of watching the world burn really to like tickle somewhere deep inside of me. I really like that. <laughs> so, are you a dark Batman person? Do you like him getting as bright as the Batman and Robin from nineteen sixty six? Uh, look, I like both Batmans. I think we have space for both. I really like um, the lightness of the 60s one. It's just so goddamn fun, isn't it? But, yeah, I also really like the dark Batman when he's dealing with some really sordid characters. Now, one of the things we come across in the show is regularly Batman and Robin will pull up outside of like a, a milk bar or, you know, outside of some sort of large venue. And if there's teenage girls around, they get very excited about Robin. Okay. And just after having experienced this really for the first time properly, Batman and Robin, they pull up in a Batmobile outside of the SBS studios. Okay. You're standing out there. Uh, we'll say you're having a cigarette, but I don't think you're a smoker. But we'll say that you're doing that. You're looking over. They get out of the Batmobile. Are you swooning over Batman or Robin? I think I'm swooning over Batman because um, I like the colours scheme, his sort of <laughs> template, a little bit better than the primary colours going on in Robin's outfit. <laughs> yeah. And also Batman just feels like he's in control, you know. I know that Robin is helping out here and there and really giving him some advice when he needs it, but there's just something about Batman, you know. Yeah, I hear that, Fiona. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. But don't give me that look. <laughs> For a lot of the people listening, they're probably tuning in watching Batman on Viceland every Friday night. And I've got a lot of friends who've like created a little ritual with their kids and they'll sit down and they'll watch Batman with their kids and the kids get really excited. Then it's bedtime for the kids and it's kind of nice. But there's probably quite a few people listening of whom are actually watching this as an SBS On Demand program. And one of the reasons I want to get Nicolette in is to talk about SBS On Demand a bit because you're like one of the SBS On Demand people. 
I am one of the SBS On Demand people. Now, in fairness, I don't know exactly what it is that you do there, even though regularly you'll ask me for things and I'll help you out with them and we'll do things together, but I don't really know what your job actually is. Sometimes I do indeed have to bug Dan for various things, (laughs) Um, but my role is I'm the content experience lead for On Demand, so I look after all of our content and how people view it and the way people interact with our platform, really, what people watch and what they don't watch. So all the people with complaints, like you're the person to really whinge at? Sometimes they filter down to me and they are the best part of my day. Yeah, I love those complaints. <laughs> I love hearing about when that episode of Vikings has just expired and where is it? That's They're my favourite parts of my day. Yeah. <laughs> totally understandable. Now, as someone of whom's working on that back end of SBS On Demand, what's the one thing that you don't think people really understand about a platform like this? Because I think most people have grown up with TV as just being a presence in their lives. And so we've all started moving towards this online experience whereby you're getting TV, but instead of just sitting on the couch blobbing, a user's going through like two or three steps to get the TV to come to them. So, I mean, I watch TV usually at home, well, SBS On Demand, through my Apple TV. So I'll do a bit of navigating and it looks and feels like TV, but like it's just a few extra things. But, like, from your end, like, it's a bit more complicated than regular TV to a certain degree. Okay, like, do you think there's any mysteries that people really need to understand about what it is that you guys are doing? Yeah, maybe that um, SBS On Demand is not just a catch-up service for (laughs) things that are coming off of the other channels, that we really are, are basically our own TV channel and we have exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. Now, usually when you're bothering me for things, it's related to the original content. Yes, I often do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about some of the original shows. Like if there's anything on there, let's say you're a fan of Batman and I can't think of anything that's like a clear, if you like Mm. Batman, you're probably going to like this. But I'm thinking there's a new show that's come on to SBS On Demand called Transfer, which is like this sort of really cool sci-fi show, which I mean, it's not quite as light and bright as Batman, but like it's a fun sort of French black mirror-ish sort of sci-fi show. Yeah, Transfer is a really cool show. It won Series Mania in Paris last year, which is one of the biggest festivals dedicated to just TV content. And people get together and talk about TV and watch the first episodes of anything great that's just come out. And it won that. It won the Audience Award. So people really love it. It's a sci-fi drama about a everyday guy who dies and in a few years is brought back to life but has been transferred into the body of someone else. People who have been transferred into the body of someone else are now called a cast of people. They're called transfers. Mm -hmm. And irony, you'd never guess it, but he's been transferred into the body of the head of the organisation that criminalises transfers. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? you got to go to SBS On Demand to find out. There was a really cool sci-fi show that aired like in the very late 90s, maybe early 2000s, called Once and Again which aired at the same time as another show called Now and Again. It was very confusing. But once and again, it was kind of the exact same premise. And I really love that show. So I'm definitely going to check out Transfer because I think that's... Yeah, we've been hearing a couple of parallels with Altered Carbon as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But this one actually came out a year earlier. So it's the numero uno primo. Check it out. Excelente. Mm.
At the end of every week, we like to talk about the lessons we've learned from Batman this week. Fiona, is there any great takeaways you had from the blue man himself? Well, mine's more from uh, J. Pauline Spaghetti. I think my one takeaway is that money can't buy you a restful night's sleep. She's not sitting sitting lying on her oh, the mountains of money. She amen. Hasn't, she hasn't had a good decent night's sleep since she made her first billion. So, you know, you may not have money, but at least you might have some sweet dreams. And wouldn't that make you grumpy? It really would. Yeah. If I don't get my seven to eight hours, oh, forget about it. A mess. If we had a podcast mattress sponsor, we could easily drop in a great plug for them. Wouldn't it be great? But we don't. So I'm just saying mattress companies maybe get in contact with us. You <laughs> missed a great opportunity here. To your loss. Do you think our friends in sales will be happy with the approach <laughs> I've taken here? Subtle. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> yeah, they may miss it. Nicolette, when you're not resting on a very comfortable mattress, uh, what lessons are you taking away from Batman? Yeah, I guess of these two villains, the one that really worked for me was Catwoman because Sandman seems to be too driven by money. But what I like in a villain is that anarchic watching the world burn. And I feel like Catwoman really inhabits that space. I love her look. I love the outfits. And I just love that she's like, you know what? Everyone get away from me. I'm just going to like cause villainous behavior. And that's cool because that's what I do. The lesson that I took away this week is we've been fairly dismissive, I think, on this program for, I think, for the entire duration of this program about the quality of police work that's coming from Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara. There's a few good men under them, but by and large, top down, things aren't really running so great for the Gotham PD. And I think the lesson I've taken away this week is that I've begun to understand that Batman, I think, is beginning to cotton onto this as well. Because at one point he suggests that Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara didn't have much to offer. Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara didn't have much to offer. That's harsh. Although it would have been good if there was a falling asleep on the job reference, because they pretty much do. Yeah. They don't even fall asleep. They go to sleep and start the job. They're wheeled in one of those mattresses. And I think that brings us to the end of another Batman land. Fiona Williams, you're on Twitter. How do people follow you, engage, do what they do? You do what you do by finding me at anything but Fifi. Nicola Loraway, you don't necessarily have a social media presence like this, but maybe SBS On Demand. How do people get involved with that? Yeah, get on down to SBS On Demand and just send um, a little complaint letter about anything and it'll just filter through to me. And then in her in tray. (laughs) And she'll action it accordingly. I'll write back. I'll thank you so much for your time. Fantastic. And once you finish with the general politeness you get from that response, you can get in contact with me on Twitter. So follow me at the Dan Barrett. If you've been enjoying Batman Land, please leave a hashtag in your social media comments around the place. It'll work on your Twitters, your Facebook, your Instagrams. It helps people involve themselves in a conversation around the show. If you like the podcast, leave reviews, be you on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Pocket Casts, whatever your platform of choice is. Uh, it helps other people find the show and let's spread the Batman Land love around the place because that's what the city needs, more Batman Land love. We'll be back next week, same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel. But wait, next week... Next week, David Wayne returns as the Mad Hatter. Na, na, na.